All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Geopolitics in Conflict Q&A session. All it's right. all right here, Ross. I look forward to that. So uh, we, we welcome you all, whatever part of the world you're in. We're so glad to be here with you guys. Ross and I are ready to answer your questions. But before that, we want to thank you for viewing. We want to thank you for subscribing. We have been actually astronomical growths since April. And we want to thank you for that. If you're watching and you haven't subscribed yet, please do. We're so grateful to you for doing that. We think we we think we have an important message. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's called world peace, understanding, communication, and honesty, and and you making up your own mind. We think that's important. Indeed. Yeah. And we also wanted to remind our viewers about now we do have locals page so check us out at geopolitics.locals.com we already have uh, how many how many members do we have there already almost 200 almost 200 we just started <laughs> which you know it's an indication for how important what we have to share the content we share with our viewers so so check it out if you have not done so and we're going to be loading that with really interesting and important information and programs and so on and also because we can talk freely oh, without censorship free. All right. that, i'm so excited about that because i got some stuff to share so also we want to take this opportunity to let you know about our membership at geopoliticsinconflict.com uh, check it out see our perks what we offer there and speaking of membership there we're going to have a presentation coming up for our members, <clears throat> members only, about the race of AI between China and the U.S. And what does it mean oh. for the future of humanity? <laughs> I can hardly imagine a more important topic, but maybe there is one, but I don't know what it is. Indeed. It's very, very <clears throat> important because we're going to be detailing both sides of AI, the yeah. good and the bad. So, yeah, so we're going to be doing that. Also, we want to remind you quickly here, guys, <laughs> uh, remember to join us on Friday for our live Q&A, uh, live stream, rather, where we discuss the topics. Uh, Elizabeth will post the topic for you. Also, remember to follow me on Twitter at David Waralu and Elizabeth at Alchemy of E. And remember also to check us out or follow us on TikTok <clears throat> and Instagram. So, well, without further ado, let's jump to your questions, guys. So, oh, Boone. Boone, here is our man. Thank you, Boone. As I always say, Boone is one of those, our members that's been with us since the beginning. So, it means a lot to us, Boone. We want you to know how much we appreciate it. So, thank Feel you so much, Boone. Feeling dunk, Boone. Do you have a question for us, too? Oh, he does. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Barring a, com a, barring a complete total war, do you see any way the military-industrial complex to be bought, brought under control? Thanks. <laughs> Merry Christmas there. to everyone. Yeah, th and you too, Boone. Merry Christmas to you too. Short answer is no. no. If the political system is set up in such a way that our represent all of our Congress is supported by the military-industrial pharmaceutical education complex, and so for us to have personal power in this, borders on impossible it's like there needs to be a some sort of a mass system change if we're going to make any difference in terms of this obscene amount of money going to waste yeah indeed and also because the military industrial complex the lobbyists are very very influential in washington so look no further than what's taking place right now on the ukrainian borders you know oh. uh, the u.s is sending heavy 
a weaponry through a third party to Ukraine. So who's behind all that? Of course, it's the military industrial complex. So the short answer, Boone, is no. And as Ross mentioned, <laughs> literally, till we change the system from within, nothing's going to change on that on that front. All right. And, and we're going to be, by the way, detailing more about this on locals. Yeah. As we can talk a little bit more on that on that aspect. So Stephen, Stephen. Why are the <clears throat> pardon me? Why are the expats China vloggers does not matter what they vlog about the city, the food, the people, or the hotspots like Xinjiang, a target of ASPI, I don't know what that is. So is that the Associated Press and the New York Times? <clears throat> that's part of that propaganda because remember when when in the west if they are to zoom in on one time look what took place in hong kong with yeah. the demonstration but it preceded be before by uh, you know you start to see articles you start to see uh, propaganda you start to see information coming out about how undemocratic stuff and so forth <clears throat> that's usually the pattern for that so yeah, yeah, the way that's that's how I see it moving forward with the West, just part of and it's it's a really set pattern. Yeah. I mean, we look at the ramp up to the first war in Iraq. Oh yeah, weapon and all the all this about weapons of mass destruction and yeah. how Saddam Hussein, if he's he, enemies, he takes them out and executes them and brings their dead bodies back. I mean, all this to get the people ready for we're going to go do something really evil now. Yeah. And you'll be better than anyone else to answer this, Ross, given your uh, psychology background, you know, because people will be hearing the same message over and over and over, it registers in the brain. And you're right, three times and people start to believe it. Yeah. Sounds incredible the first time, but hold, it must be true. I've heard it now three times plus. And three is the magic number for people. Most people are convinced if they hear or see something three times. Interesting. Yeah, that it's important to know so you're not brainwashed by just because just because you experience it three times in some mode doesn't mean it's real. It just means you've heard it three times. Indeed. Indeed. <clears throat> All right. Oh, who's that? Sylvester Defoe. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Sylvester. <clears throat> we appreciate it. So as I always say, those those super stickers from our viewers, it means a lot. It does. It really means a lot. So <clears throat> we truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, Abel Malcolm. Malcolm. Good to see you. What's going to happen to the U.S. economy if those who are beating the war drums get their way? Well, yeah, the short answer is that their argument is that the more war you have, you can stimulate the economy because of the production of weapons. But, but no. No, what's going to be happening? The problem is we are dealing right now with the inflation and uh, the you know energy prices and so forth. You know, having a war right now is just going to make matters even worse. But the government can always justify print more money. We're printing more money. We all know where it's going to lead to. It's already leading to problems. You know, Elizabeth pointed out an article to us that we. That we oh, I remember that. Yes, and and it was <clears throat> instead of eating meat. You're going to eat? Tell us, Elizabeth. Bugs. The bugs. bugs. Yeah, the EU. The EU is approving that now. They posted a video on local topics. Yeah, there we do have a, Elizabeth posted a, local, a video on it on a locals. So check. And it out. what this is really pointing to is this much obscene spending is leading to the rapid decline in the quality of the, the American people's lives. Yeah. The quality of meat, if they even get meat, 
and so on. It's going down rapidly. And we're already noticing the degradation of the so-called American dream, which is because I'll say it's straightforward. To me, it's nothing but an illusion now, you know, because people are, you know, they wonder, some of us Americans, not all, of course, but some of us are wondering, do we have anything to eat for dinner? Yeah. Yeah, they are some asking that question. So so where that's going to lead to is going to lead further degradation of the economy. <clears throat> All right. Wade, Wade Ellington. Oh, thank you, Wade. Thank you, much, Wade. Much appreciated. So, <clears throat> so they're so generous, Ross. I really, I really mean it. It means a lot, guys. Also, would this shield Iran from sanctions from the U.S.? For the Iran part, it's very, very important. Uh, I remember we... Oh, there's a first part of this question. Sorry. Oh, there's a second part. No, the first part. I missed the first part. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Will Iran go into China and Russia SWIFT system along with United Arab Emirates? Perfect <coughs> question. And the answer is yes. However, remember, as I mentioned in one of the videos before, that the SWIFT, this so-called the financial infrastructure, it'll have to take time to be built. And once it's built... Lead it's led by China and Russia. Of course, Iran is going to join in into that because uh, Iran has deals with China. Iran is also a full member of the SCO, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. And you can just see where this is going. So, yes, that means the sanctions, U.S. sanctions, will become useless. Do you think they were forced into this position? <laughs> Uh, U.S. sanctions. Indeed. So that's where the world is headed. And I am sure governments in the West will do anything to prevent that from happening. Yeah. Is there a second part to this question? Or? Uh, it, the second part was what I sent you. Will will the... Yeah, will Iran and UAE goes into oh, this okay. direction? Okay. So okay. the answer is yes, they will. They will go into that. So. Oh... Uh, East meets West. E well, I like screen name. Thank you so but much. Yes. We truly appreciate it. Uh, you know, some screen <laughs> names are very, very interesting. And he sends a message there, right there. Oh, Seth. Seth. Politico yesterday published an article which said that Russia claims the U.S. mercenaries plan a chemical attack in Ukraine. What is your guys' view on this? I have not heard of that. So I, I'll be happy to check into this. I have my ways of finding out and will report back on it, uh, see if I find out uh, the accuracy of that. That's why, you know, there are certain things we don't report on because we are not certain. And if we are not certain, uh, we can't take chance with that, but we'll check it out. The one thing I know for a fact is, as a matter of fact, we're going to be talking in locals about what's taking place in Ukraine in more detail. Uh, there are certain tactics are used as of today in Ukraine, behind the scenes, pushed by the West and NATO. And you can just see the aggravating. And this is why I take it certainly that Russia, if the U.S. or West do not meet the demands of what Russia asking for those eight points, yeah. they're going to move the nuclear missiles into Belarus. Yeah, they're going to do that. That I am certain of. <clears throat> so we'll, we'll get you an answer for that. Plato. Oh, thank you, Plato. We appreciate it. Any news on why Germany, Italy, and Switzerland shut their nuclear power plant built by Westinghouse? Mm, that's a mystery. That is me. I remember I did that one with, with Elizabeth. And we talked about uh, because it defies logic in the middle of winter. 
these things have been up and up and running for years. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're shutting so many of them. Yeah. There were two possibilities to that. Uh, and I couldn't confirm the first one, but second one is questionable. The two possibilities. The first one has to do with some hackers. That's what I thought. Get too. into that. So to avoid any, the German government went ahead and shut down the entire thing. The second one has to do with the pressures from U.S. energy companies not to buy the Russian oil, uh, Russian uh, uh, natural gas. Well, uh, Russia has been selling natural <coughs> gas to Germany for ages. So plus it's cheaper for Germans to get it from Russia than to get it from the U.S. So I don't know what the dynamics on those two. Even though I'm finding out now certain things about Angela Merkel when she was in power that she might not appear to be what she looked to the outside world. It's the hidden things behind behind the scenes. So we will talk about that in some other uh, opportunity. But so far for this one here, uh, because the West is trying to undermine, that's why they went ahead with the sanctions yeah. of the Nord Stream. So, <clears throat> so the US, uh, uh, US energy companies are behind that one to, to a degree. Busy guy. Oh, a nice screen. <laughs> Busy guy. The projects under China-Pakistan economic corridor mm -hmm. have stalled, and surely we are ourselves to blame. But do you see the role of the IMF in it since Pakistan is heavily indebted? Oh, good question. That's a great question. But <clears throat> it's stalled for other reasons also, mainly the security part, especially with the Balochistans, because that's where the corridor is. Yeah. through an area of, of uh, Balochistan, which usually, if you know anything about that part of the world, I had a chance to be in, in, in Afghanistan <clears> on <throat> multiple times, so you kind of learn about the whole region, how it operates. There are certain areas, they are outside the control of the central government. And there have actually been military attacks or, or violence in the, that corridor. There have been some, and some Chinese <clears throat> have been attacked in that bit. So uh, the IMF role, yes, to a degree. Uh, but because remember, the projects are financed by China, not yeah. IMF. So there's something to that, but it's not. That's not the core issue for that one. It mainly has to do with the security situation in the Balochistan. They have to get the people buy into the projects and, and move forward. So that's why it's stalling. But it will move forward. I, I don't know. If East meets West. Do you think Iran will be more assertive in its foreign policy with the backing of Russia and China? Uh, well, what do you think of that? More yeah. than <laughs> ever. More than ever. I wrote a book about uh, Iran, uh, a volatile state around in the nuclear age. And I argued this point that, you know, now that the, they have reached an agreement, you know, <clears throat> the West made a mistake. When I say the West, I'm referring to the United States. By withdrawing from the GCPUA, which means now you pushed Iran into China and Russia camp. And guess what? Do you think that Iran is going to now agree to any terms regarding GCPUA? Probably no. not. No, they're not, because now the, the path has been forced to ally its, uh, to, to align itself, Iran, with China and, and, and uh, Russia. You know, the, one of our guests, an expert in the region, said that Iran really wanted to face, face West, not East. But they were, they were given no choice. Sanctions, withdrawal, mistrust, and no willingness on the Americans' part to engage them in anything meaningful. Yeah, well, because why should have any incentive to sit down with the U.S. anymore? You can't, as we say in the U.S. here, you can't change a horse in the middle of the race. 
you know, how come you all of a sudden and the deal was working? There yeah. were some flaws on the GCPUA, <clears throat> but does not mean it couldn't work. But at least Iran wasn't fully committed to China and Russia. Now they have no other alternative but to move forward with uh, uh, with Russia and China. As a matter of fact, uh, we did a video on it regarding the military cooperation between China and Iran. I'm not surprised. I wrote about it four years ago, five years ago, that in a matter of time, you're going to see a military cooperation between Iran and China. And that's exactly what happened. So, so you know, another consideration here is that the hardliners are now in control in Iran. And what what would happen if they all of a sudden came to terms with the West? Oh, they lose. They, yeah. And they're not going to do it. Yeah. But the hardliners also been saying to the Iranians that we told you so. You can't trust the West. So just look for Iran moving forward with China and Russia. Thank you, Wade. Thank you, Wade. Oh, Wade again. Thank you, Wade. Appreciate it. <clears throat> There's Wade. Do you think the Iranian real? Oh, that's the coin. Um, exchange rate to be in par with Saudi Arabia. Is this possible under the SCO? No, no. No, it won't be in par with the. Remember, for the real, the Saudi ones, you know, the only advantage they have is because the oil is sold in petrodollars. Mm. You know? Now, for Iran, no, it will be slightly different because, first of all, the sanctions imposed on them on the financial aspect. But once there is a financial mechanisms set by Russia and China because they are dumping the US dollar, it's just a fait accompli for the rest of those countries that are under the strangulation, <clears throat> under the financial strangulation of the US, will feel free now to engage or transact in other currency. So bypassing the SWIFT system altogether. As I observed this, this looks like another one of the situations that's inevitably going to happen. Exactly. And I... I I've, and, and you just... I'm sorry. I hid my badge on it. I bet it was. <laughs> okay. So. <clears throat> Saf. Politico yesterday published an article which said that Russia claims U.S. mercenaries... Oh. Where they did this we did this one. one already. Yeah, we did that one. No worries. No worries. There are a lot of there are a lot of questions. That's all right. <laughs> That's what we're here for, guys. That's East West. Hey, East West. Thanks. Once again, thank you very much. Thank. Okay. Was there a question no, with that? Yeah, no, okay. Thank you to Doctors David and Ross and Elizabeth for this channel providing an objective analysis of geopolitical events. Merry Christmas, and to all of you as well. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Cheesecake. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> what flavor? Oh, no. Let's not go off. For yeah. Okay. Are you all going to do short videos? It seems the channel is ready to experiment with short videos. Actually, we are. However, remember, you know, for our viewers, YouTube will always be there. But also we are moving into the locals. And here is the reason why. Because there are so many topics we want to talk about. It's just we can't on this platform. You all guys know this. And this is where the locals came in. We're going to be moving into that direction. But we maintain this one as well to a degree. But short videos, yes, this is going to be almost on a daily basis except on a weekend. Because we need, we need some time to disconnect so we can recharge. Because 
being in front of a screen 24 hours is not a healthy thing. Well, there's another consideration with this, and that yeah. is the amount of background work we each do, all three of us do, in terms of getting the, getting the, the topic correct and then getting the information confirmed. So we're really we're checking and checking and checking, and this is a multiple hours every day. I mean, you see us for this hour, but how many hours did you actually prepare for this? It takes for all of us. All, all of us. I, it's it's not an all-day, everyday job. We don't have, guys, just to guys let you know, we don't have like a team of 20 people behind the scenes. We don't. You know, it's us, just us. You know, we're doing our best, but we are going to keep up with those short videos. We're going to yeah. keep those. We're going to keep up with our guests. <clears throat> yes. Uh, uh, speaking of guests, by the way, just to guys let you know, I just re we received an email from Pascal. Pascal's going to be on our show. Really? Yeah. Give it about uh, a month or so. He's in process of uh, busy stuff. So he's going to be on our uh, on, on our show. So we'll coordinate. So so a short answer is yes, we're going to be doing a lot of short videos. Well, who could this be? Very Very Good hey. to see you, man. India is part of the quad. Mm -hmm. How do you see India's role or side on matter in Russia versus Japan dispute on certain islands at north of China? Uh, north of Japan, sorry. Mm, that's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, India, in my opinion, and this is my personal opinion, uh, in India is going to play it safe when it comes down to that particular issue. Why? Because its cooperation and interest in strengthening relations with Russia <clears throat> far outweigh anything else. Yeah, that is the reason why I see when it comes down to that issue, uh, India is going to be very, very, very careful into how it maneuvers. That's like walking into a storm, but you will know if you know how to navigate, you will be fine. Because India has long-term objectives. As to being part of the Quad, India understand that it's just being used yeah. in the Quad. You know, the Quad in itself is useless. <laughs> it's just a window dressing to send a message to the West that, look, we are building this alliance like the AUKUS and all that. Uh, all those are not going to cut it. They're not going to cut it. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Interesting question. In how core. Greetings. One of the latest claims from Western media is that China currently has possession of deadly brain control weapons. <laughs> are we all in grave danger? <laughs> yeah, we are. But I'm not sure that's why. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not aware of this. And, and if it is, it's just some propaganda stuff. You know? Well, there are some, there, there is a lot of secret brain, brain control methods using magnetism and it's for real oh yeah that, you, that one exists yes. you can control people how they think yeah. you control how they feel and you can control their behavior and it's been here for a while yeah well actually i do know that darpa uh, defense advanced research project agency yeah. in the pentagon yeah. they're working on some specific projects for that that's all we can <laughs> say on that you know they do exist yeah you know and, and if it is then it will be one of those uh, hidden tools that other countries also have so Remember, we want to tell you one thing here, that most countries, especially the major players or major powers, they do have some stuff in their arsenal that nobody knows about. Those are classified uh, <clears throat> classified at the highest level. Even members within the government do not have access to. That's just part of how things work. Those are what we call the surprise elements in a battlefield. We also know that... that at least English-speaking countries where we have the easy access to anal and analyze what's going on, that the hypnotic techniques that government's using are spectacularly sophisticated. 
And that's why we're putting this course together. Elizabeth and I are putting a course together, teaching you these techniques. It'll be available soon. Yeah, and I'm sure a viewer is going to truly benefit from your insights, both of you, yours and Elizabeth's. So, Ariel. Hey, Ariel. Do you think China might try to dominate the Olympic medal count rather to boycott LA Games for Beijing? Just a different kind of question to cheer, to cheer yeah, up. You're right. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. Well, we know that these Olympics are always political events. Yeah, which then are supposed to be. Let the sport be a sport. You know, it's kind of why. Why play politics with it? So, But I, everybody who, who can play politics in this to get their champions to win does. Yeah. And that's just the way it, it's always been. And most likely, it's going to be into continuing into the future. Yeah. But also remember, because those are prestige, when you stand on that podium winning the gold and you have the highest number of golds, that's a reflection on the country itself. So it's much more of a prestige than anything else. Yeah, China will strive for that. And they're gymnasts. <clears throat> uh, because I always see this, uh, the media makes this comment, if I may share this quickly. We always read about, you know, the, the 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 athletes the Chinese athletes are pressured to do <clears throat> wait, 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 wait. what makes us jump quickly when we have not considered that those athletes are just concentrating it's the nature that we have to concentrate what they're frowning they are not smiling they don't need to smile because there is a task to be attended to and they're focusing on it and yet the west western media misinterpreting that image you know there's something to consider here and that is, you take a look at, at, at champion skaters. Mm -hmm. What age do you think they start in a special school in Colorado in the United States? About age five? Five to eight. Oh, my God. Wow. And so they skate all day, every day, and they take three hours for class. And do it. And if you get injured, you're out. Wow. And so we say, well, this is the inhumane. Well, they and their parents signed up for it. Interesting. And when we were in, I think we we're in uh, Xi'an or Shanghai, we went to a gymnastics show. Mm -hmm. And these these were spectacular athletes. I mean, they did things that I didn't think human beings could do. So when I came back, I did a, a deep dive into how, how does this all come about? And one of the things about this is that these children are recruited to improve the quality of their lives. And they start very young. Yeah four, five, six years old, and are they good then? Oh, they're spectacular. But it was to improve the quality of their lives. It wasn't they were forced into it. That's very, very interesting. And just before we get to the next question, Ariel usually takes interest in Argentina. No. Well, you all know what's going on in Argentina right now with demonstrations regarding IMF. Yeah, so we're still keeping an eye on that, and we will bring some updates <clears> to it soon. So. All right, let's see next question here from... Jonathan Tejo, Tero. Did you? I hope we pronounce it correctly. Jonathan. Jonathan, <laughs> help us out here. Blinken went to Southeast Asia <laughs> to try to convince by offering the weapons. Pardon me, I need to get straight here. You're right. <laughs> Why would any country do that, given how many times the U.S. has been backstabbing countries like Indonesia supporting coup military embargo? Yeah. Well, what we're seeing is Blinken was sent packing. <laughs> yeah. I know we're laughing. It's not a laughing, uh, a matter of, uh, you know, we take it seriously in the sense of uh, it was the embarrassment of it all. 
uh, that's how usually you can't be insulting uh, someone and go show up at the uh, their uh, doorsteps. It just doesn't make. But this one has to do with a much bigger picture. This is of a security and geopolitical outcome. So basically, the whole purpose of the trip was to incite those countries into going against China by statements, <clears throat> by whatever means, and those countries saying, no, we are not going to do it because our economic prosperity is tied to the Chinese market. All you need to do is look at the, at the exports, at the, at the international trade that goes on between those countries. Yeah. You say, what, you want us to go bank? I mean, it's just absurd. Exactly. We shouldn't be surprised. So, And that's why he realized he got the message that he is not welcome. And uh, they had to cut the trip short. So. Of course, one of his staff got COVID. So they oh, believed, that's yeah, just, yeah. 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 We Nonsense. believe that. Nonsense. Really, 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 really. <laughs> don't you? Okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right, next question. Tamaputra. Good to see you. As Nicaragua recognizes China and breaks ties with Taiwan, will this diplomatic relationship restarting the Nicaragua Canal Project? No. Ah, yeah, sorry. No, no, you go, Russ. It is to be the rival of the Panama Canal. All I was going to say, it's an interesting question given the dynamics what just took place 48 hours over there in the part of that world, which we're going to report on, on Friday. Well, in Chile, the presidential elections, who won the presidency? A young student activist. He's the youngest <laughs> ever. You know, it's because the, his opponent was advocating for the policies of uh, Augusto Pinochet. Well, we all oh. know the dictatorship history. So, so it's interesting enough that uh, I, we're going to report on it later on because we, we're still going through some information to understand which policies this new guy is going to pursue. He's a very young, which means he's the younger generations. Right. And the dynamics that's taking in the neighboring countries, including the guy, is going to be interesting to see. Is he going to, is he, this new president of Chile, is going to open up to China, given what's going to be taking place with the, uh, the, the, the canal? That would be very interesting to see. So it's an interesting dynamics. It's going to be in Latin America. I am sure the U.S. will send its, you know, delegations to sway them differently. But we all know that. Well, hopefully this young man is an idealist and can't be swayed by money or some other form of corruption. Uh, that's what I'm going to be watching for. Yeah, we'll and, watch. And we'll report it. on it. Wade. Oh, thank you. Thank oh, you. Thank you again, <laughs> Wade. He's been so generous with us. Thank you, Wade. We appreciate it. If China takes on the new financial system, do you think America will make China make good on the Chinese 1913 bonds? Well, I'll start with, if I may answer this one quickly, I will start first with removing the if, because it will, you know, maybe the question should start as when. Yes, it's going to change the dynamics for the Bretton Woods system. Of course, we all know, of course, with the Bretton Woods system set up, was set up after World War II uh, and using the financial tools as an instrument for controlling countries and so forth. Yeah, this is going to revolutionize the financial global system because who's going to be in that global system? Just the West by themselves. Because if China and Russia agrees, which they will, because Putin has already communicated that desire with President Xi, maybe we need to start considering the building or development, to use the term development, and I quoted here, developments of the financial infrastructure. 
because both of them are thinking of they've been thinking of dumping the US dollar altogether. So because that's that's it. Yeah, so it's gonna change the dynamics for the Bretton Woods system, even though in the West there's a behind the scenes conversation right now about Bretton Woods too. Good whatever, luck. whatever that means. So but also this is why you see countries are pushing, some countries, not all, are pushing against Bitcoin. Well, you're pushing against Bitcoin, you, the government, whatever the government is, you're pushing against Bitcoin because you don't want to lose control. You know, why do you think they lashed out at El Salvador? Because they went to Bitcoin. Yeah, and they're using Bitcoin as their legal tender. So which means all these transactions get conducted in Bitcoin. What's interesting about El Salvador, which the West does not disclose, is that El Salvador is going to have about 100 trillion dollars in bonds that's going to be traded in Bitcoin. We'll be allowed them. I mean, can you imagine that? You can just see now why central banks in London, in the US, Germany, France, you name it, they're all going after. Oh, no, 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 Bitcoin. Even what's her name? Hillary Clinton came up and uh, warned about, um, come on. It's nonsense. So this is where that fear, and I think it's going to change the dynamics for the Bretton Woods as we know it, because that financial hegemony or dominance of the U.S. dollar will cease to exist. Jason, thank you, Jason. Oh, thank you, Jason. Will the United States hang Taiwan out to dry after they extract the semiconductor IP from them, or can Taiwan trust the U.S.? Very interesting question. I think they're referring to the fact that they're moving the chip production to Arizona. Arizona, yeah. yeah. It's already in progress. You're right. Which to me, I read it as an indication for what lies ahead. It's like bright flashing lights. Yeah. Okay, here it comes. Yeah, here it comes. Taiwan, we're going to do to you what we did in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's usually where the direction is. It's because, as we always say, we are not saying that the war is going to wrap between China and the U.S. Because, you know, Taiwan is going to be sort of in the middle and blariator or any other country that gets involved with the U.S. with no. We don't see that. I don't see that. I, I speak for myself. I don't see that happening because both countries understand the ramifications. It's the day after. That's where the danger is. However, when you start seeing indications like this, moving operations to Arizona now, even though here in, in Arizona, it might not even work. Yeah. Because the cost, you know, there are those who argue, oh, the U.S. is going to bring manufacturing jobs here. I have to disagree with that. It's because the cost. Yeah. You know, who is this company is going to be willing to spend that serious money to have the productions here when they can have it elsewhere for a fraction of the cost? And as you all know, guys, in the business is common sense. Less cost, more profit. Simple as it is. So, so yeah, in that case, Taiwan, no, it's going to be, be uh, 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 missing on a lot, and the U.S. is not going to. You know, there's another consideration here. Yeah. And that is the projection is that within three to four years, China is going to be going to have the capability of producing all the chips they want themselves. And the implication is that there'd be no scarcity anymore. So they can move everything back to the United States, but so what? So what? Which is going to tip the balance at that time. And we're going to be addressing this on our AI because that's a part of one of the core issues for our members that we're going to be talking about this because that is the core. 
issue. I have some info about it from the military application. Oh. So All right, next question. Lemon, 1980. How did Turkey's inflation get so bad? It's awful. I happen to know a little bit about what happened with that. Well, what happened with that is uh, uh, President Rajab Erdogan disagreed to raise interest rate. And his argument for that was, if you keep interest uh, rate low, you you attracting more foreign investors. However, that didn't happen. Oh. And that's how the lira, as a matter of fact, lost about 30% of its value in one year. So it's bouncing back as of yesterday. I, I read something about it yesterday. It's bouncing back better than what it was a week ago, but that's not enough. So... And, and also, remember, Turkey is moving forward with some independent industries away from, especially in the military hardware, because Turkey is building its own, and there is some demand for its products on the market, believe it or not. So, Lori Sito, the pro-democratic movement has been very active in Thailand and Myanmar, disrupting those governments. Does the Belt and Road Initiative deliberations have anything to do with this? Wow. No. No, 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 no. No, this one is more about, it's exactly what took place in Hong Kong. You know, there are those movements in Myanmar and in Thailand. When we had the conversation with uh, Brian. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, yeah. he highlighted this this point exactly and in Myanmar is because of the uh, what's her name Ansa Suchi you know it's kind of playing both sides that's why the the military owns I just put her in prison for now <laughs> that's, it. that's how they deal with the stuff you know uh, it's because they've been some uh, support from the West regarding both countries and this is why Anthony Blanken couldn't make it to Thailand because the junta over there said forget about we don't want you here. It's because the demonstrations that took place in Thailand a couple months ago. Yeah. Remember, you know, Thailand has always had the king. You know, that's their culture. That's what they want. You know, who are we to go and start stirring things <clears throat> up? What for? I had a chance to go in Thailand way back. Uh, I was in Bangkok. And, you know, people are happy with it. They don't. The monarchy is there and they live in their daily life. They don't care for whatever. So you know, we don't see a monster. No, no. In the king, it's, it's in the their, kingdom, it's their culture. Right, it's their, they've always had a monarchy. So uh, uh, creating those tensions for them, uh, yeah, has uh, the BRI. No, it's slightly different. Even though for Myanmar, uh, the BRI is much more uh, better there uh, in both countries, basically. But that is not what's at the core issue. The core issue is the raising tensions behind the scenes. Yeah, that's a whole other show, really. Oh, yes. Kenneth, thank you. Oh, thank you, Ken. Ayuang. Let's see if I got that right. Ayuang. Well, thank you so it. much. Appreciate it, Ken. All right. Oh, boy, that's a tough JK. Okay. JK. <laughs> the China-Russia partnership is the backbone of supercontinent Eurasia, yes. Southeast Asia is more integrated with RCEP. Will they increase military ties with China, Russia to replace the U.S.-led security? 
That is an interesting question. That is what's at the heart of geopolitics in Central Asia. Yeah, Th that that question right there. So, and this is where this uh, uh, sort of a partnership between China and and uh, Russia, uh, one of one of one among many on the list. One of its objectives is to ensure that the security architecture in that part of the world is not under the U.S. umbrella. Right. Which means the U.S. <clears throat> out. You know. What makes it even more attractive now is that Iran could join in strengthening that. I think they will. Oh, they oh, will yeah. for sure. Yeah. Because Iran's access into the central area, or especially in the areas of uh, of Azerbaijan, uh, 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 and all those, you know, the whole central Asia is going to become uh, the key for the stability and security in that part of the world. Let alone the economic adventure of the BRI. Oh yeah, because that's going to cross through. So that is why it will be very, very important. And the U.S. does not want to lose influence, but it's too late. Yeah, they've already lost it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too late for the U.S. Because the credibility, there's none left. We lost that. So, All right, next question. Sam Nova. Good to see you, Sam. Do you think the war in Ethiopia have something to do with CRI? C R I I I don't doesn't ring a bell. No no no. Maybe B maybe B R I <laughs> maybe B R I because C letter yeah a possibility. But it's also also again it's because the increased presence of China and Russia in Africa. You know it has always been that argument of okay why is the West all of a sudden because Blinken was in Nigeria why all of a sudden he's crying out about Oh, China's in a, well, not here to tell Nigeria not to do anything with uh, with China. They just have to be careful about it. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are you? The U.S. to be telling other countries what to do. You know, this is where those dynamics in, in remember when we did the video about uh, uh, China's expansion of a military, a naval base in Sudan? Yes. You know? Well, Sudan, there, Djibouti. China has a presence in Djibouti. It gives it what? Access to the Indian Ocean. You know? But also China is involved with projects inside Africa, you know, including Nigeria. So yeah, does dynamic. So for Ethiopia, for Ethiopia is more than just the BRI. It is also ethnically triggered, because if you know the history of Ethiopia, uh, that conflict is very old, very, 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 very old. So a lot of people do not know in the West thinking, oh, they just want to take over water. No, that has to do with the ethnicities, ethnicities of that part of the of, of the world. So uh they using now the UN say using the term war crimes and all that. Well, funny, they never said war crimes about Yemen. And that's an and that's, that's an abomination if there ever was one. Yeah, yeah. So so the, the whole problem is not about just BRI. It's a strategic one. Journey to the East. There it is. Good to see you, Journey. I hear that 40 country, 40 country is, ge is gearing up, dumping the petrol dollar, and of cause China and Russia will lead the way. And of course, China and Russia will lead the way. My question is, do you guys know which countries are participating? I do not know the countries. The numbers that I saw first was 30. As a matter of fact, start with 23. Mm -hmm. It was 30. 
Uh, no, I don't have the list of this. We'll be happy to get it. I mean, we can find. We'll, we'll have our way of finding that. Uh, but yeah, that is true. It's because even Saudi Arabia threatened to dump the dollar, <laughs> which I think in the case of Saudi Arabia, it just it just bravado. You know, that, that so Saudis cannot survive without the U.S. You think it's for internal consumption? Uh, it was, but also for for reassurance of the oil market. Okay. Because remember. The U.S. asked Saudis to draw from OPEC and join the U.S., <laughs> which is hilarious. You know, what makes us think that the Saudis are going to drop that? They are the lunchpin, the kingpin, if you will, of OPEC because of how much oil they produce. Yeah. You know, they're not going to do that. But for the fact that they threatened to dump the dollar, which I believe is just a threat, they can move forward with that because they won't survive. So well, they happen to have some powerful enemies in the region. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Journey to the east. Oh, thank you, Journey. We truly appreciate it. U.S. throwing sanctions left, right, and center like a piece of cake. I hear that the U.S. will sanction Malaysia and maybe UAE as well, United Arab Emirates. Happy holidays, you too. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Journey. There is some truth to that statement. You know, in the case of Malaysia, because that was also why the trip was canceled. Yeah. It's because they said, heck no, we're going to maintain our uh, uh, economic uh, uh, ties with China because it's a big market. You know, Indonesia also going through its own internal dynamics. We all know about the corruption in Malaysia. Shame on that government because Malaysians deserve better. You know, you take those two countries, Malaysia and Indonesia. Incredible, there are potentials, but the corruption in those governments. If, if you know, with this new prime minister in Indonesia, I believe, uh, Yakub, he's saying that no, he's gonna restart the projects regarding BRM. <clears throat> so, that is the that is the issue with the uh, with the with the Malaysia's moving forward for the United Arab Emirates. The same thing because they are not willing to drop 5G. Huawei, you know, they're not willing to drop it. So the, the U.S. said, well, we're just going to get rid sanction you. <laughs> sure. Then how about if we're not going to buy the F F-35s altogether? $23 billion deal. And the U.S. a reverse course. So sometimes mm -hmm. U.S. threaten the sanctions. But, yeah, too much usage of the sanctions become useless. Detroit Rock City. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Thank you very much. Do you guys think that JCPOA is effectively dead? I, I won't use the, I won't, I won't say conclusively. Uh, as someone who knows a little bit about it, because, you know, I've been following this from the get go before when even negotiations were taking place back in 2011 yeah. or 12. So <clears throat> I was still in Washington DC at the time. Uh, no, I won't call it dead yet. Uh, it might even succeed, but where the difference is today is that Iran has other options. That's where the difference. <clears throat> and those options is what's putting the U.S. in a weaker position because this partnership with China and Russia is going to provide Iran what it needs. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and, and it will be the question is, what incentives does Iran have to go back to the uh, negotiating with the U.S.? Which, by the way, as we said last time, changed the horse in the middle of the race. 
asking for more uh, 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 sanctions, uh, wanting more concessions from Iran. Iran's not going to do that, you know. So to them, JCPOA, JCPOA still there, but it's not conclusively there yet. Athene Wu. Good to see you, Athene. U.S. is pushing the Ukraine issue so hard to anger Russia while trying to cross China's bottom line by backing Taiwan. Are the hawks in D.C. trying to start World War III by waging a two-front war? That's a very interesting question. It looks like it on the surface. On the surface <laughs> it is. And, and we're going to be, because there are certain aspects of it, we will detail more on the locals when we talk about that, but we still can share a few things here. Yes, uh, the short answer is yes. The war hawks in Washington, D.C., pushing from both directions, not only in Washington, D.C., but also in Brussels. You know, the danger of to that as to World War Three. No, not not to that level, because if it is the case, we're going to go back to Stone Age. Basically, that's the outcome of it. Uh, but the idea of pushing on two fronts, the United States is not in a position to manage two front wars, let alone with Russia and China, you know. I have another question. Is it can they manage a one front war with any of those countries? With with anybody? Yeah. I mean, Afghanistan cut me a break. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the <clears> Pentagon <throat> conducted some simulations uh, for regarding the outcome of a war with China, just China. We're not talking Russia. And in each time, the scenario that was run, the U.S. lost. So yeah, the war hacks is going <clears> to <throat> push because what sells here? It's for domestic consumption, but also to feed the beast, as we always say, you know, Industrial. create fear. Yes. yes. You know this more than about Russia, yeah. as far as psychological impact of fear. You know, people's going to become, oh my gosh, Russia, China, and all that is the fear. So, so no, the World War Three, no, but the tension is going to keep going. And, and uh, <clears throat> I hope nothing bad comes out of it because it won't be pretty. Evelyn Erickson. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's so kind of, of all of them, uh, Russ. They're very generous. So we truly appreciate it, guys. We want you to know that. So, all right. Next question. Harry Shue. Are our diplomats doing their jobs professionally? What's up? Alexa, no more. Our leaders claim our leader claims that he has many years experience in diplomacy and personally knows more than 100 world leaders. But where are we now? Yeah, now, now, uh, uh, as an analyst myself, I always say, and I wrote about it extensively, uh, how fragmented our foreign policy is, and the fragmentation <laughs> or, or that incohesiveness is coming up from the top leadership. And why is that? Because the top leadership has never been replaced. You yeah. still have the old mindset. You know, they're still operating on these conceptions of the Cold War mentality, shall we say. The world has moved on. It changed. The dynamics have changed. And you don't have the new mindset that can adjust to that new reality. You know, uh, I mean, I used to see it. I had a chance when I was working uh, back in D.C. to... You know, we conversed with some foreign uh, uh, dignitaries or officials, whatever you want to call them, from other countries. 
And I could just, as an observer, I wasn't involved directly, but as an observer, I was watching how much lip service they were giving the Americans. Why? It's because that U.S. representative has no clue about the culture, the history, the ethnicities, religion, and so forth. You know, he, he or she gets a brief before they travel to the country. That's not going to cut it. No. Let alone understanding the strategic interest of what those countries are. So, so that's why there is a fragmented foreign policy in the U.S. Lex Neuron. Well, that, oh, that's, 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 that's a good screen one. name. What do you two think about the two U.S. professors who wrote an article proposing that Taiwan destroy its own TSMC chip industry as a deterrent against any takeover attempt by China? Uh, yeah, I don't know where those professors were coming from. Yeah, I don't so, either. So there's one thing I need to guys let you know. <laughs> Academia in the U.S., you know, I'm going to say straightforward. It's not what it seems to be. Not all. I shall not generalize. But most of the academias, professors, this is why we have a problem with our education system. It's because this tenureship, uh, I have to have the, you know, but not only that, it's because the governments can use academic research to justify the outcomes. That's why I believe I'm not interested in this tenureship nonsense. It's because it destroys the whole purpose for why an educator will have to be in a classroom in the first place. That's why our students are not learning anything. <laughs> you know, the whole education system in America is going down. You know, we have the resources. And the outcome is, a, as a matter of fact, I'll share this with you guys. A student from Africa outperforming American. I'm not surprised yeah. at all. Yeah. And that student from Africa has to walk about a mile and a half each direction, sometimes without breakfast. You know, students in America will have to be chauffeured to school, will have to have the desks and all the equipments and all that, and yet they don't perform. Why? It's because in classrooms, we're not having discussions anymore. You know, I got to worry about how you feel inside the classroom, or rather how you think. We don't think anymore. And that's leading to the outcome we're seeing. So, so for academia, yeah, whatever they wrote, it has a purpose for it. Oh, last question. All right. All right. Who's this lucky person? Oh, guess who is? Dakin That's Dakin. Good to see you, Dakin. The Democrats are more likely to lose the midterm election, possibly again in 2024. Would that have any impact on the policy toward China and Russia? That's an interesting uh, question in the mm -hmm. sense of tying domestic policy to foreign policy. Like I always say, Foreign policy starts at home, you know, till we fix our home. Yeah, it will be interesting to see whether the Democrats are going to lose the 2024. Uh, that, that, yeah, that remains to be seen. As a matter of fact, you see in the signs when uh, Joe mentioned the senator from West Virginia, uh, you know, next to the, uh, the, the, two yeah, the $2 trillion bill back better. better. Yeah, and next to it. He's a Democrat, you know. You know, that tells you right there. The country is very divided politically. And, and understanding those dynamics, remember, as I always say personally, you know, till you get rid of those damn politicians that they are sitting this forever. You shouldn't be in power forever. You know, put a term limits on them. Then we'll figure out what a better way to approach countries and so forth. So, and that depending again on who's going to be in charge, that will define 
which type of foreign policy we're going to have to reach. I think a consideration is how old is the next president going to be? That is a good one also. Because know. as we take a look at DeSantis and some younger generation uh, candidates, they have a very different perspective from the old guard. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I do hope that uh, truly they can understand that uh, uh, <clears throat> when it comes down to international relations, uh, context matters. You know, how we approach China and deal with China is going to define what this relationship is going to be in the 21st century. It is a, it is a fact. You know, that that global or geopolitical shift has occurred, not to the favor of the U.S. China will lead the 21st century. Depends also on China how they want to lead, how they want to manage this global order. You know, but so far, the U.S. is not showing willingness to accept the shift, which sometimes can lead to conflicts. Let's hope it doesn't get to a military one, but we, we shall see. We'll see. Right. There's well, again, with yeah, go ahead, Russ. Again, we would like to thank you for watching. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for your provoking questions. And if you've not subscribed, guess what I'm going to say? Please subscribe. We yeah. want our numbers up there. Indeed, Russ, because we're still aiming at the 70 million. That's right. Hopefully so. Yeah, don't remember to check out our uh, geopolitics.locals.com. Now that we have a, a local page there, and we are present mm -hmm. there. We're going to be doing something for locals soon. And also don't remember to check out our membership at geopoliticsinconflict.com. We look forward to seeing you next, uh, which is Friday, for our live stream. And always stay informed. Till next time.